Somebody say your name. Do you solemnly swear? Support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and to bear true faith and allegiance to the same. Welcome to episode six of the American Vet Podcast. Let's take a moment here and I would like to inform my listeners about a new way you can get involved in the show. Go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash American Vet Podcast. There you can support the show and you'll be able to unlock some private content about the show and be part of a community. For the ones who sign up to be VIP, once the goal is reached, I will be sending out one free merchandise to all VIP club members. Every time I add a new merchandise, they will receive one for free. Uh, that's for the VIP club members. And help me reach that goal. Let me get uh, start some merchandise here and get some stuff returned back to the listeners. And tonight's show, I get to sit down with a Air Force... First lieutenant that has almost 15 years in service. <laughs> he enlisted in 2005. He has been on three deployments. First to Afghanistan, where he was awarded a combat action medal. The other two deployments were in Southwest Asia. He commissioned over in 2016. He was an intelligence analyst, and now he ha is a space operations officer. He also holds two bachelors in intelligence and almost completed his master's in cybersecurity. He has his own show that is called What's Up Chuck. It's on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Discard. I will leave a link for that show in my show notes. He's currently the Central California State Leader of Mission 22, which is how we met. Listeners, please welcome to the show, Chuck. Chuck, how are you doing today? Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Glad we can finally uh, make this <laughs> timeline work out. I know it's been uh, about, I think, a week long, but duty called last time, so yep. glad to finally be on here and participate on this. It's uh, been something I've been looking forward to for a while. <laughs> Yeah, me too. I mean, uh, ever since I, so my listeners know, um, I just recently got into the mission 22 and that's how, uh, that's how me and Chuck here met and we can find it for about what, about week, two weeks. We've been trying to set up a good date and time to, yeah, <laughs> trying to get a good day to sit down, but it's been, it's been quite kind of busy. On the, you know, I just got to say, wow, on the resume that you, that you have so far, um, <laughs> Yeah, that blows mine out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> so why the military? Why the Air Force? Um, ultimately, I I joined back in, you know, 2005, as you mentioned. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I actually chose not to join the military for the longest time. You know, my, my dad was in for 20 years. 
he retired in uh, 2001. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I kind of wanted to stick around and, and not really join the military. You know, I, I, I tried to find the benefit in living in one location, raising a family in one area, you know, being close home to family and, you know, just trying to establish roots in one place. So that's what I wanted to do. But uh, a couple of years down the road, you know, family dynamics change, right? My dad's out of the military. Uh, my grandmother passes away. Oh, sorry uh, my, to hear that. My, it's all right. I'm, and it's, it's been a long time. It's been 15 years. So, But then my dad was dealing with PTSD, you know, from his time in service, plus, you know, a significant loss in his his family. So it's kind of one of those things like uh, it's a reality check if he's dealing with this much stressors and I'm not really going anywhere. I was working in a factory full time, building lawnmower engines, working two, three different jobs at a time, you know, trying to go to school. And back then they didn't really have financial aid to help you get through college. Right. So I was, you know, so what the the actual magic (laughs) trick was, um, I was really big into cars and I used to street race a lot. And so I, I would take it to the track every once in a while, but there was one night where, you know, me and probably about a hundred different cars were out, you know, from that, like I ended up getting arrested oh. <laughs> from that night. And, uh, the next day or two, I, I got back home and my grandfather had come over and he had served also, you know, he was like, Hey, uh, I know what you're going to do tomorrow. One of two things is going to happen. Like you're either going to stick around here and end up back in jail. Or you're going to go find a, a recruiter's office and go join the military and do something with your life. Yeah. So I took that as like a big indicator. And then my dad just kind of looked at me. He's like, well, I guess I know what you're doing tomorrow. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so yeah. so were both your, your dad and your grandfather in the Air Force or were they different branches? Different branches, yeah. My, so I have pretty much every first generation male uh, okay. for about eight generations has served in the military in some capacity. Wow. Um, and yeah, uh, my dad was Air Force. My grandfather was Army. Um, his brother was in the Marine Corps. Um, I've had <laughs> brothers, uncles, cousins, um, you name it, one branch of service or another. I've had some type of military in it. Influence, um, yeah. Whether, yeah. My, my lineage traces back all the way to Edmund Ruffin. Uh, if that name doesn't ring a bell to most people. No. Um, yeah. He was the one that was attributed to shooting the first shot heard around the world at Fort Sumter. Wow. Yeah, that's that's my heritage, that's my family generation. So on the Confederate side, I can't really say unfortunately or fortunately, it's all part of history, but right. um, that's where my, my lineage comes from. And um, so it's, you know. It's it's in my blood, needless to say. So the military ended up just happening for me regardless. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like you were uh, destined to be in the military at a, at yeah. a young age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I joined when I was 22. So I didn't even go in, you know, right when I was 18. Right. I joined a few years later. So I had a few years under me, you know, as far as trying to grow up into adulthood. And of course, back then, you, you think you know everything. So. Right. Yeah, I also joined. I joined the Marine Corps back in 2005, and I was 22 when I joined as well. So, oh wow, I, I know exactly what you mean. You know, you go in there and you're like, uh, I'm not going to listen to anybody, but uh, they straightened that yeah. out of me real quick. Right. <laughs>
So, yeah. so you got caught street racing. Is it because yeah. your car wasn't <laughs> fast enough, or? <laughs> uh, well, I didn't actually like get caught that night. Um, what happened okay. was like as we were leaving, you know, the police officers mm-hmm. were chasing tons of people. Yep. And they have this really cool thing of you know just running license plates and then following up with the people afterwards. <laughs> So I ended up getting served a warrant um, at my dad's house like uh, two nights later. And uh, my dad actually had thought that I was getting arrested for something else because right before that, I told him, I was like, hey, dad, if I end up in jail this weekend, it's because I went to go help out a a girlfriend of mine. Her boyfriend was being abusive. And I told him I might go whip this dude's butt and end up in jail for it. He goes, well, as long as you're doing, you know. For good reason, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, so, don't go to, don't go to jail for drugs or anything or stealing right. a Snicker bar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, and racing was in my blood too. You know, my dad was in the cars when he was younger, and so that was kind of another thing we had in common. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Why are you talking to? <laughs> talking to fr- my friend here on the radio. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I can't hear her. Yeah, it's because I have them in my headphones. You need help with your crackers? Yeah. All right. I'll open these. Can you go play in your room? Where are we playing? Okay. We're playing baby track. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Well, have fun. It's <laughs> a cute little girl you got there. Thank you. It's one of three, and then I have two step kids. Wow. So, yeah. So, with the generation of male military personnel in your in your family. Uh, what made you decide the Air Force and not go, like, did your, your father or your grandfather try to sway you out of the Air Force? or? Um, you know, I, I didn't really even consider the other branches uh, right away. I, okay. Honestly, like, I went down there with one of my best friends. Is um, He actually tried to join the Air Force with me. We were trying to do the buddy program, but unfortunately, he didn't have a, a high school diploma. At that time, they weren't taking anybody with anything less than a high school diploma. They weren't accepting right. GEDs. So he ended up joining the Army, and I stayed in the Air Force. And, you know, he got shipped off right away, and I actually was on delayed enlistment for like 11 months. But the Air Force, to me, you know, it, I didn't really think I would fit in the other branches of service. Okay. You know, looking back on it, my wife even, she said that the Air Force doesn't really match my personality type. Um she, she thinks that, you know, I should have joined the Marines or something else just because, you know, the types of people that I work with in the environment. Not to say that, right. you know, she's a different breed, you know, of humans or they don't really work with me. It's just who I am as a person. You know, I could have molded differently or I molded differently, you know. I don't know. But, I mean, I did look at the Air Force as an opportunity to, to develop and grow, and it's the most knowledge i had you know my dad had 20 years in so i mean you say develop and grow and i'm like man you got it you're almost done with your master's here in cybersecurity. you got, yeah. <laughs> you know a couple bachelors i mean like how much yeah. do you want to really grow here <laughs> right exactly i don't think i have any more room what i didn't mention was i just graduated in december um from the los angeles film school in music production oh wow so uh, yeah i just got an associate's degree wow so my hobby is to do music. Um, not sure if you've seen some of my posts who are related to my wife and, and her music career. Her name's Alyssa Ruffin. Um, yeah. She's trying to launch her career as a singer. And so 
Okay. With that comes, you know, a lot of networking and, and my skill set has actually really grown within the music community too. Um, one thing that they don't really have a lot of or good enough of is management type people okay. and, or at least people that understand the lingo between music and business. So I've, I've taken kind of some extra steps to learn how to do the production side of things. Cause I'm more sound engineering, you know, lights, music production, more of the technical stuff. Right. I don't sing. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> hold the note. Uh, if you asked me to, and I have a guitar next to me and a bass and, you know, I've got acoustic guitars, but I barely play. I'm still learning, but you know, something that I aspire to finish and I will just, you know, timing. <laughs> timing, yeah. So what you're really saying is, is I better do the post edit really well in this audio file. No, yeah, don't <laughs> worry. I will not critique. I, I even have a hard time editing. I put two songs out for, you know, some assignments and I thought I had them perfect. And then when they got released, I was like, man, these things are awful. Like, I don't even know how my teacher let them slide, but yeah. So if you want, uh, when we're done here, Chuck, just send me a a link to your wife's page or whatnot, and I'll put it in the show notes there for the listeners too as well. For sure, yeah. She's actually getting ready to go on the road here in a couple months. Um, She's opening at the ABIT of Iowa uh, for the 4th of July weekend. Um, She's playing there. Hinder is like the leading band that's playing, but she's playing one of the nights, uh, July 3rd, I believe. And, And then after that, she's... Uh, opening at the Hard Rock Cafe in Denver um, <laughs> a couple weeks after that. And then she's going up to North Dakota uh, for a week to play at the Rocking Horse, which is their largest live music venue that they have during their state fair. So she's wow. got a few big events going on um, you know, over the next couple of months. And she's also working on finishing her album as well. So, Like, how do you keep all this together? You know, all your kids and... You know, you're the Air Force Mission 22 stuff, the what's up, Chuck, and... <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. I mean, the what the what's up, Chuck thing, I've I've done it like once a week, and the past couple of weeks I've slowed down just because of my, my work schedule has changed quite a bit. But, yeah, I guess you could say that. <laughs> yeah. I, I have it as a venue, more or less, because the veteran community that I'm involved with as a whole, yep. um, you know, I needed something to where I could kind of stay connected with them. And I use it as, you know, a vehicle to uh, continue talking about Mission 22 and then also raising awareness of other veteran owned organizations, as well as, you know, trying to, I guess, develop a uh, another mechanism for music and veterans to connect, you know, and, and I try to use that as my vehicle for that in it's important to me to find, yep. you know, other resources that help with mental health, um, especially being an active duty. You know, yep. like you mentioned, I've been in 15 years yep. and over the course of 15 years, unfortunately, I've lost a lot of friends. And um, whether that be in from wartime or from suicide, but I yep. see, you know, how it plays a role in people's lives, like yep. different stressors um, actually just. Not even two weekends ago, uh, one of my NCOs from my previous unit, she just took her life. And oh, man. it's it's one of those things like where you don't realize it while you're there, you know, and you, you don't see the stresses and stuff on their face, you know, firsthand until right. it's too late, unfortunately. 
And, you know, if I had been more active with Mission 22, like I am now, then, you know, maybe something that I knew of may have, you know, changed the course of things. And, and that's the way I look at, you know, how I do stuff now. Um, yeah, I have a family. It's a full-time job. Um, <laughs> and I also have my career, which is also a full-time job. But, yep. you know, I would, I would be, you know, not doing myself justice if I didn't take the things that I learned or the information that I know and try to share it with others, you know, and, and try to make other people's lives just a little bit better, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's kind of like why I started this, this podcast here. It's just, you know, this is a great opportunity. I like, you know, I'm in Massachusetts and you're in California and here yeah. we are, we're talking and, you know, we both joined at the same time, different branches and everything. I got out in 2009, you're still in, you know, you're going through some things that I've never went through and you're probably seeking avenues. Like, you know, like you said, you got your music, you get the what's up, Chuck, you got your job, your wife is just doing great with the music stuff. That's why I wanted to start the podcast is just to get the awareness out there of what works for me may not work for you, but if somebody listens to this podcast and because of this podcast, they listen to how music's really been like kind of like your Zen almost, it sounds like, then, yeah. then you know, maybe they, Absolutely. maybe they'll pick up a guitar. Yeah. I think, um, you know, people have made the comment a few times already and you know, like, how do you keep them, you know, all together? Like, how are you able to do all this stuff? Even my boss, at work, he goes, man, you make me look like I don't do anything because you're just all over the place. You're doing stuff all the time. And, you know, you only get one shot at life, right? And right. I don't, it, and this is just the way I'm doing things. And I'm not expecting anyone else to, you know, pick up and try to, to copy what I'm doing. I just, somehow I have the energy and the willpower and the strength to do these various things. And, you know, if, if I wasn't given these opportunities uh, and actually doing them, you know, I, I, I have to like, you know, try to grab the bull by the horns and take advantage of whatever energy I got right now and, yep. and do as much as I can, you know, and it, I do stuff for my kids too. You know, my, I'm looking for ways where my oldest daughter, she just did a talent show uh, and <laughs> she was singing. Unfortunately, I was out of town, you know, for a TDY, but yep. you know, I'm trying to get her in piano lessons, which we have a, stand-up piano here in the house and you know it's just about uh taking a look at all the different things that are important right and, and trying to facilitate you know however it can be successful yeah it's kind of like uh two years ago i i was on youtube one day and i found uh somebody put up a tutorial on how to make like those burnt american rustic flags there out of wood yeah and engraving <laughs> and everything else i was like well it doesn't look that hard i was like let me just I'll do one. You know, I got a Dremel and I got a couple saws, you know, the bare minimum saws. And for me, it took me, it takes me about six and a half hours to engrave, you know, the 50 stars and the, in the union. Yeah. And, but that I learned, I found out real quick that kind of conned me right down. So like, if you look up here, like that Punisher that's right over here Mm -hmm. behind me there, it's, uh, you know, I made that as well. So now I started into, to woodworking. But, you know, I made a, you know, the American flag just for my grandfather for his birthday, you know, and, uh, you know, that's how I found my, my Zen per se. But so go ahead. I'm a, I'm a, ended up being like a jack of all trades almost, you know, like (laughs) music is definitely something that, you know, I'm holding on too closely. Like I, like I said, I don't play, 
but uh, my ability to be able to speak the language, um, you know, between business and music has is, is definitely helped me develop a, a good network. And it's helped my wife as well. And, um, you know, I'm able to, to find out what's important, you know, for musicians and what struggles they're dealing with and, and try to help them find resources to make them successful, too. So, you know, I've got a lot of different things that are my Zen, you know, Jeeping Jeepers community, you know, uh, music, uh, family. I can tie in family, just about anything into the military. My wife's career with her singing, yep. uh, you know, just, just a plethora of stuff. So, and <laughs> I, you know, I have friends that do woodworking too. They make uh, flags and wood. And, you know, I've got a, another guy who does, uh, he makes handcrafted jewelry, you know, it's, oh, wow. yeah. and, you know, several veteran organizations out there that veteran owned, I should say, um, out there doing, doing work. So yep. yeah, it's, uh, pretty cool. So talk to me about, uh, the air force boot camp. How long is it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, when I went in, in 2005, yep. it was, uh, just over eight weeks. So, you know, not a, long i guess back then i think the army boot camp was 12 weeks if i remember yeah. right um and we were still you know doing folding of t-shirts and folding of our socks so we had little squares that we had to put our t-shirts in and we had to make sure our socks were perfectly lined up you know edges yep. straight and everything <laughs> uh we still we're getting yelled at, you know, all the time. I recall one of my favorite moments, which if I come full circle and actually do uh, like a flight commander of a basic training flight, which is kind of one of my aspirations, I'm going to do okay. it with them. But uh, I remember my flight commander coming up and he's like, my favorite sound is the sound of Christmas. And we were like, what does that mean? You know, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, and the only way I can, you know, bring about the, the sound of Christmas is, is jingle bells. And I know we don't have any bells in our, you know, on our unit right now, but what you do have are necklaces with keys on them. You know, there are our dog tag necklaces, yep. you know? Yep. So he said, okay, everybody on your face and pull out your dog tags. <laughs> and when I say down, I want to hear the sound of Christmas. Yep. So he would be like down and then, you know, all, you know, 50 of us would be hitting the deck and yep. all, all you hear is all the jingling of the chains and stuff and, I will never forget that time. You know, oh yeah, it's pretty hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so when you get when you get out of boot camp, uh, so like the Marine Corps, you get out of out of boot camp and you go to what's called like MCTs, Marine Combat Training, and then you go to your like your MOS school, and then you actually go out on your first duty station for however long that will be. Okay. Is it so when you get out of the Air Force boot camp? Um, do you go to like? another like right into your like MOS school training. Yeah, absolutely. So each uh, career field within the air force, we have a, what's called an air force specialty code. So it's an AFSC. Yeah. Um, and with those AFSCs, there's different tech schools that you go to that are aligned with your career field. Um, in each tech school, obviously is going to have a different timeline as far as training. Right. Uh, mine, you know, when I enlisted, I was an Intel analyst. Um, so we went to San Angelo, Texas of all wonderful places. <laughs> and we were there for six months, um, going through tech school. Uh, wow. some folks are a year. Um, uh, like if you end up being a linguist, it's like a couple of years long. Some are just a couple of months. Some you go to your base first and then you go to your tech school. 
Oh, okay. It just depends on what your career field is, um, really. So it's, but yeah, that's that's the way it worked for me anyhow. And you know, I was off for six months, and then after that, I got shipped off to Minot, North Dakota, which is my first <laughs> duty station in the Air Force. So you're talking about low temperatures earlier. Yeah, I was about to say. Uh, so you have felt the cold. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've definitely felt the cold, and I don't want to feel the cold. Uh, that cold ever again, but <laughs> I have a feeling I will at some point. So yeah. since my wife is going to be doing a show up there, but thankfully it's in uh, July, so it's in the summertime. And it's usually pretty warm that time. So yeah, I went to. Uh, I had the pleasure to one time. I went to uh, South Korea. I've been to South Korea twice, but the second time I went there was in the winter time, and I remember there was another Marine that was there, and he asked me, "What in the world am I doing?" <laughs> I, because put my boots on in the morning, I would, you know, have my foot in the sock, obviously, but then I'd also yeah. take, um, like a, like a grocery bag, a plastic bag, and I would put my foot into the plastic bag and then put it into the boot. Yeah. And, I've done that as a kid. Yeah. You know, and yeah, he was keeps just. your feet from getting wet. <laughs> yeah. It keeps it from getting wet, but it also works in the wintertime too, as an extra protective. Yeah, yeah. For, you know, so I remember showing him that and he's just like. He kind of just put his head down. He's like, man, what I get myself into? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got to walk around with bags on my feet. But right. So where were you? Uh, where was like your first? So you said North Dakota? Yeah. That's oh. where I met my wife too. <laughs> oh, wow. So you were in North yeah. Dakota. When did you actually go to boot camp? Were, were you summertime or wintertime? Um, so I, let's see, March to May is when I went. So I graduated in, okay. in May. And then after, so it was kind of like the springtime. Right. It wasn't quite hot yet, but they, we had some black flag conditions, you know, where it's too hot to do anything. Um, actually one of our meet and greet when we were supposed to do our march out with the family, like during graduation week, uh, we didn't actually do any of the marching because it was black flag conditions that day, but we had practiced our butts off (laughs) for a week ahead of time, you know, (laughs) to make it perfect. And yep. it ended up not even doing it. So that was awesome. <laughs> okay. So now you, you've mentioned before that you've been on uh, three deployments. The first deployment was Afghan. Do you yeah. want to elaborate on that? Or do you want to skip over that and we'll go over to the other two? Sure. Yeah, I can uh, talk about my experiences there. That's for sure. Um, yeah. So uh, most people from Minot, North Dakota, when they get deployed from there, they go to Guam, which is, okay. you know, four months in a paradise island. Right. Uh, get active. As I mentioned yeah, get acclimated. But I was, like I said before, uh, when I joined, um, you know, for some reason, I people thought that I should have joined a different branch of service. Uh, they just looked at me as a different mold of person. So my superintendent um, at the time was Tech Sergeant Harmeyer. Um, okay. He's a retired chief now. Uh, approached me and he goes, hey, I've got an opportunity for you to excel. <laughs> <laughs> you know, young oh. senior airman, <laughs> roughing. I don't, I don't like your tactics, sir. I don't know where this yeah, is going. <laughs> I don't know where you're going with this, but let me, I'll, I'll listen out, you know? Yeah. Uh, and he, he brought up, uh, you know, he goes, I can't really approach this deployment type with anybody else in our squadron. You know, the, the guys that just wouldn't be able to understand, but for some reason, I think that you would be able to handle this. And so he said, it's a deployment to Afghanistan. It's nine months. Um, you get two months of training with uh, the army at Fort Riley, Kansas. So you do, uh, basically, uh, combat training, right? Um, right. And then you get shipped off overseas and you go support, uh, 
the army for six months. It's at that time it was uh, in lieu of tasking. So it's an air force person filling a army need. Um, eventually transitioned to a joint expeditionary tasking, jet taskings. Um, okay. That was pretty. That was pretty common to do for the air force, fulfilling army uh, billets or you know missing requirements. So um, that was pretty heavy in the two thousand early 2000 time frame. I went in 2008 to 2009. Um, and so that was, that was my experience, right? So I was there several yep. months and I was, uh, deployed down to Southern Helm or Southern Afghanistan, Helmand province. So you, you got in at 2005, so 2008, 2009, did you re reenlist when you were in Afghan or? Yeah, I did. I sure did. Yeah. Um, wow. my, my first Lieutenant that was deployed with me, yep. uh, reenlisted me in our, building we were in a uh, old school um okay. that was basically shot up and blown up but that's where we operated out of perfect <laughs> uh, but it you know it was pretty great you know i have pictures of me re-enlisting there so that was pretty cool um yeah. and you know our mission was uh supporting afghan military police so we were assigned to police mentoring teams um okay and you know I was, like I said, I was an intel guy, so I was always out, you know, outside the wire, traveling around with different uh, teams of guys and, you know, providing support for them. Um, so I've had my fair share of gunfights and mortars and RPGs and IEDs. So it was uh, definitely an adventure for an Air Force guy, especially a young one. Um, right. Yeah, that's why I was – I didn't know if you were able to talk because I didn't, you know – I put a couple things together. I was like, all right, so Intel and he went to Afghan. I don't know if you're able. So <laughs> did you, uh, did you actually learn the, the language out there or? Like uh, we, we did get, um, I guess you can say like a language indoctrination. Uh, we also got like a culture indoctrination. Uh -huh. Um, so part of the training, you know, we, we had to kind of learn how to interact with the people. Uh, but that didn't just go for me as an Intel body that went with everybody that was with right. us. Um, you know, we were all going as a unit. So, um, everyone had to go through that training to learn keywords and key phrases. And then of course, you know, how to interact with them. And that was all part of their, uh, winning the hearts and minds campaign. Right. You know, that, that was, uh, their initiative was to learn how to communicate, you know, with, with them because we're in their home and you know yeah our our mission wasn't to try to take over it was to help them you know survive yeah. <laughs> now were you so you met your wife when you went to north dakota and i'm assuming towards middle of uh you know 2005 beginning of 2006 yeah. and were you guys married by the time 2008 when you went over to overseas or no um actually that's a funny story too is when i came home from afghanistan is when we finally kind of tied the knot and got together. Uh, we, we had talked off and on before then. Okay. Um, our relationship definitely started before I left Afghanistan. Um, I was actually with a different person at that time, but we, of course things don't work out when you're gone for very long. You right. come home, you're a different person, you know? Yep. I ended up leaving and PCS into Illinois and, uh, she came with me. So we've been wow. together ever since. Wow. Well, congratulations on that. Yeah. You know, come it's back from pretty good. Come back from Afghan and get married. Must have had a good yeah. wedding. You know, we didn't even have one. Oh, <laughs> we got <okay. laughs> married Justice of the Peace. Uh 
we had plenty of money to, to do it. It's just by that time, you know, things were just not lining up with timelines. She right. ended up getting pregnant soon afterwards, too. So it was kind of one of those cascading of things like, well, let's okay. just get married so we're in the extra income. Well, now that we're expecting, we'll wait until next year. Well, right. now that, you know, I'm getting deployed again, so we won't be able to do it next year. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the second, when did you go on a second deployment to uh, uh, Southwest two, Asia? Yeah. 2010 uh, was my first round. I was supporting um, the air oh, yeah, mobility so that, guys. That was and, quick. At, Afghan yeah. from eight to nine and then 2010, you go to South. Yeah. And yeah. Having a lot of time there. <laughs> No, not much time at all. It's I was I was in and out quite a bit, even with um, you know, in between deployments. I was, yeah. you know, well, you guys call it TAD, probably. I yeah. call it TDY. Yeah. Uh, different training, different you know courses, different anything. You name it, I was always gone. I was that go-to guy um, yeah. for a lot of stuff. So, so no, especially no, with my experience. Yeah. So no regrets of like reenlisting in it. An Afghan getting home for a couple months and they're like, all right, now you're going somewhere else. <laughs> no, you know, it's, uh, I had always planned on being in, you know, for, for the whole 20 years. Right. So you're a lifer and, when you joined. Yeah. I was, I was already a lifer and I had no if, ands, or buts about it. And the strange part was like, if I was going to enlist, I was going to do the full 20. And right. before I joined, you know, I wasn't going to join at all. I was like, it's either join and do the whole thing or don't join don't do and, and do something yeah. else. Yeah. Your experience out there in Southwest Asia, um, culture-wise, like what you do out there, is it? because it's probably, I'm assuming it's the same thing that I did when I was in like South Korea. You know, it's just a yeah. lot of war games, you know, a lot of, uh, yeah. you know, just expedientary forces going out all over the place. It's like you're saying, just doing yeah. some training with them and. And whatnot. So I'm assuming it's about the same thing there. Yeah, I mean, it, the culture there was very diverse. Um, we're we're talking, you know, being Southwest Asia, you're you're talking like Middle East still technically. Um, yep. But uh, so I was allowed to go out and do more things there. It wasn't nearly as restricted as Afghanistan, so that was unique. Um, experiencing more of the land, the people, the culture, like shopping, things like that. That had to been so a, that was kind of cool. Yeah, that had to been a, a a weird weird feeling though, because knowing like you you know like you said you're you're not that far from Middle East and just oh yeah <laughs> you, you know you just left there now you're going back there and now they're like all right yeah. now you can go back there and you don't have to worry about IEDs you don't have to worry <laughs> about all this stuff you know that had to been a now did your yeah, wife that was that was wild too and and the funny part was my Afghanistan R and R was in the place where I was at for my second deployment so it was. <laughs> Kind of strange. I was like, like well, this is not good, you know. You guys, you guys trying to tell me something here? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. both uh, second and third were in the same area there, Southwest Asia? Yeah, yeah sure. We're supporting two different missions. Um, the first one, I was doing more air mobility, so okay, uh, supporting C-130s, C-17s, airdrops, those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, and then the third one, uh, since I had so much Middle East experience and tactical level stuff, I went more special forces route. Um, so I was supporting them for six months, and, and that was a whole other, you know, breed of breed of interesting stuff too. <laughs> oh, I bet, I bet. Yeah. yeah. So then you finally get back to the states. Where did yeah. Where did you come back to when you came back to the states? Um, now that I'm home, I went and finished my first bachelor's degree. 
at the National Intelligence University in Washington, D.C. So I spent a year there and went to school full-time, and that was my job for a whole year. Okay. Um, So that was where I got my my first bachelor's, and then as a result of completing my first one, I was able to kind of complete the second one, too, because I had to complete a certain amount of credits to be eligible for this program. Um, So once I finished it, I was like, hey, these credits I already did. Let's see if they lined up with my other degree. And sure enough, I had, you know, two birds, one stone and right. ended up granting two bachelors. So worked yeah. out in my favor. So you're that, 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 um, I guess say a comical, uh, veteran, you know, cause at that time you were probably, you know, 29, almost 30 years old when you went back to school full time. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you're right that, around there. Yeah. So you're that 29, 30 year old sitting there with these bunch of 20 year olds. Yeah. 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 For sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I kind of did yeah. the same thing when I finally actually, I got out in 2009 and I went back to school. Let's say it took me until about 2012. I had a real rough time in my, in my, in my life there where just, I was just kind of snowballing my own self down down a down a uh, dark road there, um, but I finally started getting. I met my wife and started getting myself together and everything else. And I went to school and I, I remember feeling to myself. I was like, "Wow, you know, everybody's here's young. Everybody's, you know, laughing yeah. about the dumbest things." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like trying to pick up on what memes they're looking at or what things they're laughing. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> right, you know. Yeah. Then, you sit back and you're like, yeah, I remember my first beer. Then you realize they're like, maybe that is their first beer. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. so now you're in Washington. So you, you went over Southwest from Illinois. Now you're in Washington. How long before you actually get to go back to, uh, is California actually your home, home state? I know your, no. your dad was kind of in the military, but like, what would you consider your home state? Yeah. So my home is, um, well, I was born overseas as a military brat, so I was born in Germany, um, but okay. I was, you know, American citizen born. I was born right. on a military base. Right. Uh, but my home for me is Kentucky. That's where my dad lives. That's where my dad's family lives. Um, and my mom, you know, her family still lives somewhat in Germany, uh, but she does have some family here in the U.S. too. Okay. Uh, but nothing really home for me here on my mom's side. It sounds like you're going to stay into the air force until they kick you out because you're just too goddamn old. Yeah, basically. <laughs> are you going to stay in California? You're going to go back to Germany for your mom or go back to Kentucky with your, uh, your father no, side of family. I, I keep finding more and more reasons to not stay here in California. I love, you know, being here and seeing the things and seeing all the sites. Uh, I was here when I was a kid up in Sunnyvale, actually in Northern California. My dad was stationed out here when I was younger. Okay. Um, and it, it's a beautiful area to live in. It's just there are certain things here that kind of keep you from enjoying it, you know, to right. the fullest potential. And realistically, you know, I look at it this way, too, is, is cost of living. You know, you have a lot of land here, but yeah. it costs so damn much to live out here. Um, yeah. And, you know, we're practically... We're living on base, which is great. You know, it's a godsend to be able to have that option. Uh, but my family's big, and these houses are not. <laughs> right, right. So we're yeah. kind of crammed in a 2,200-square-foot house. But, you know, I count my blessings. You know, it, 
if I was not in the military and, you know, had to be here for any reason other, other than the military, I'd, I'd probably be living in something much worse. Right. Uh, but, you know, it's just my wife is also kind of allergic to this area, too. There's a lot of pollen and pollution, and she's having a hard time. So we're looking for, you know, another assignment after this. And hopefully it'll be back towards the mid Midwest. You know, we love the East Coast, too. Yep. Um, so I'm not a big we'll fan see. of it. No, <laughs> no. I've been trying to. I've been uh, so, like I was saying, I was. I went through a dark time in my life, and yeah, back in you know the beginning of 2010 or whatnot, I had kind of a choice: either go homeless and hike out to the out west as far as I can get. I was thinking Nevada, maybe California. I was like somewhere where I don't have to worry about winter anymore. Um, right. But yeah. then up, you know, my grand. I talked to my grandfather. My grandfather, you know, he took me back in and kind of helped straighten me out. Then I met my wife, and now I got a four year old and. You know, I got straightened out, but, uh, you know, the, my biggest problem is, is, you know, getting out with, in 2009, I got out in, in North Carolina and just, mm-hmm. you know, the cost of living everywhere. Like you said, you know, it's just, yeah, if you're right. not in the military, you're, you're, you better be smart. You, yeah. better, you know, <laughs> you better, better be smart or working to like improve your intelligence at some point. Yeah. <laughs> or know somebody, you know? Yeah. And so now you, so in 2016, you commissioned over. Yep. What was the purpose to commission over? Was it just because you're, you're like, you know what? I got some <laughs> bachelor's degrees, you know? Yeah. Can I hear you say that? Can I um, hear who say it? Not right now, honey. <laughs> when I'm done. <laughs> Here, I'll turn this up, and you can hear him talk while I'm talking. Can you hear me? Yep, okay. I can hear you. All right. So they can hear you on my monitors now, too. Okay. Um, Hi. So Hi. The, the uh, reason for have, commissioning is to mostly... Do you have a candle on? Uh, hold on a second. Let me, <laughs> let me finish talking, and you guys can talk, okay? <laughs> All right. Um, so my dad had basically been encouraging me to commission and for pretty much my entire career, um, okay. you know, like, you know, he was in the military and he saw the benefits of being an officer and, and what it brings, you know, it changes your lifestyle a little bit. So, uh, he's like, you know, commission, commission, commission. And I looked into it several times, but mostly it was a milestones thing for me too to even become eligible. Um, so I looked at it, I was like, well, I'm halfway through my career. I'm hitting about 10 years. I either put the package in now and try to commission or, you know, just stick it out another 10 and finish my enlistment out. Right. So I put the package in the first time and I didn't make it. Uh, I actually missed it just because I had a a re-enlistment bonus that hadn't been paid out all the way, but it wasn't because of my credentials is what I found out. So I did a waiver you know, got rid of my reenlistment bonus and then reapplied and got it the second time. So, okay. What? you write elevator? Yes, I will write elevator. Okay. There you go. Okay, girls, go be on the table and sit, please. Thank you. All right. Sorry about that. No worries, man. No worries at all. So, now that you've been. On the enlisted side and the commissioner side, commission side, sorry. Um, what do you find was what, what? What side do you find better as far as camaraderie? Um, uh, 
sense of enjoyment, sense of fulfillment. You know what I mean? Um, I'm sure people have heard the RHIP, right? Rank has its privileges. Right. <laughs> um, and, you know, being enlisted, first thing I found uh, was achieving the rank I did. I was E6 before I changed over. Um, I definitely had a lot more respect as far as my career field is concerned. Uh, you know, people understood me as a subject matter expert. Uh, you know, people would look for answers from me or, you know, I could speak educated on topics and not looked at as, oh, he's just a young guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Whereas now, you know, being a, a lieutenant, yeah, my time in service is a lot more than most, uh, right. which I've come to find out. Most of the people I work with on on the floor where I'm at, I, I have more time in service than they do, even right. my, my boss. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm still the young lieutenant. Um, but, you know, as far as being catered to is much different. You know, in the Air Force, officer enlisted interaction is much different than any other branch from what I've recently learned, too, even. You know, in the Navy, from what I understand is that Officers and enlisted don't interact the same way as as uh, Air Force officers and enlisted do. Right. Um, and I find that as kind of a, a shock, but I can see why. You know, they live in different environments than the Air Force does. Whereas we live in a, an environment where we have to kind of work with each other because we rely on our enlisted counterpart to fulfill right. some of the same duties that the officers do. Yeah, we. Uh, I was in. I got stationed out my first. Um, orders were out to uh, Okinawa, Japan, and when yeah. I was out there, I uh, our we well our first lieutenants or whatever you know we we kind of call them butter bars. Yeah, butter bars. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> our butter bar, he was kind of afraid of anybody enlisted, whether you're a private lance corporal, <laughs> you know, PFC, you know, private first class or whatever. Um, he was just afraid of all of us. And don't you know? He would come up to you and he would say, "Hey." Uh, you know, we need to do this and you can kind of pretty much tell him where to find the sand. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, and he wouldn't do anything about it. Cause he was just kind of, he was afraid of us. And I remember one time he kind of, he came into our barracks and he came into mine and my, my roommate's room and he knocked on the door and I opened the door and I was like, yeah, what can I do for you, sir? And he's in civilian attire and I'm in civvies and he's like, Hey, I know you guys know where the good bars are. Let's go out and have a bar. Let's go out and have a drink. I mean, <laughs> I was like, well, sir, it doesn't really work that way. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like uh, things are different. <laughs> yeah. Things are different. Like I know uh, because at the time, um, I don't know how it is now. I left Okinawa 2007, but when I was over there, the drinking age, even if you're a military, the drinking age over there was only 20 years old. Oh, wow. Um, so you can drink even in the on base in the enlisted club was only twenty. You all he had to be was twenty years old out there to drink. Wow. Yeah, and that's how old he was. He, you know, so we were kind of like that doesn't work that way, buddy. Right. But. But to answer your question though, as far as yeah. like which one's better, you know, yeah. I I don't regret you know commissioning at all. It's definitely changed my livelihood, you know, which is good. You know, I have a big family, so the extra income is always nice. Um, but. I appreciate the my enlisted time and being a prior enlisted dude as in a commission officer now. So yeah. I do see the benefits of being enlisted and learning, you know, the ropes from that aspect and then right. applying that as an officer now. So 
I'm kind of at an advantage in, in that regard. Um, and I don't really like, I don't not blend well with other officers that are my age, but senior in rank. Right. Um, I'm able to still perform, you know, and they appreciate my time and they appreciate my inputs and things. So it's, uh, that's a good thing. And my environment actually kind of fosters that too. So it's pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. I think, um, I think that's awesome though. Like, cause that's kind of what I was getting at is if, if my butter bar came at me and said, Hey, listen, buddy, I got 10 years at your rank right. or on your side <laughs> of the club. Uh, before I switched over, because we kind of have we have uh, chief warrant officers that that do that. They get high ranked up into uh, the enlistment side, and then they switch over and they become warrant officers. Right. So, like, as soon as you've seen a warrant officer, you just know like he's already done what you've done plus more and commissioned over. So, but I was just kind of curious and how it is on in the Air Force on the uh, like I said the camaraderie side of it. Like, are you more? Do you feel more at ease with the commissioners or do you feel more at ease with the enlisted personnel? But it sounds like kind of your enlistment it's a good time. Mix. Yeah, it's a good mix. I mean, the, the more junior enlisted folks that don't really know my background, you know, they right. stay kind of distant from me, but you know, the NCOs that, you know, actually get to know me and their filters a little bit less, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're, they're actually able to have a candid conversation with me and, you know, right. learn who I am and they're like, oh, okay. So you're prior enlisted. All right. I'm tracking now like the type of person you are. So, right. You know, it's still professional, but still a little bit more respect flex. given to you. A little than bit other. more respect. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you deserve it. I mean, everything you've done, a couple deployments and you know, all the miles that you ran with your boots on kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. So now your so now your job is what, uh, what'd you say? A space operations officer? Yeah, space operations, exactly. Where yeah. are we? I don't know if you can talk about it, but like, where are we at that ass point or that aspect yeah. of everything? Like, where are we there? So, the, as far as the space force is concerned, um, you know, I, I'm still an Air Force guy. I'm still yep. an airman. Um, there's only one official space force person, and that's General Raymond. Um, they're still looking into how to acquire personnel to fill the space force, which is, it's going to take some time. You know, they have to develop plans. It's going to go through a bunch of wickets and oh, things yeah. way above my head to, to really worry about now. Right. But space operations has always been a significant aspect of the air force for, for a long time. Ever since, uh, you know, even when I knew it was during the Gulf war, it was a pretty big part, not nearly as much as it is now, um, right. as far as command and control is concerned. Um, but I think a shocking fact that I, kind of highlight to some people when I tell them about the Air Force and how space uh, works is not everybody knows this, but when you use your phone to navigate from point A to point B, you're utilizing GPS, right? Right, right. Uh, yeah, it might be Google Maps telling you or Waze or Apple or, you know, some other app telling you where to go. Uh, but GPS is providing that. And yep. the entire GPS constellation is command and control done by Air Force Airmen. Um, it's, it's all done out of Colorado. Uh, the Air Force is in charge of the constellation. Okay. Um, and they, they man it and maintain it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 a year. And not a lot of people realize that. They think it's just some kind of magic that's happening, right? You know, it's space satellites are just out there doing their thing. Um, right. but no, yeah, the Air Force has been 
supporting GPS ever since it's first started. So, so, um, so is that yeah. why? Is that why sometimes it tells me to take a left off of a bridge? Or <laughs> no, that's Apple. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's the map itself. You know, whoever the programmer is, I'm just joking. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. Uh, I just a little joke there, but yeah, I didn't realize yeah. it was actually because I'm one of those people that just thought, you know, the satellites go up. You know, you get the little yeah. Google card that drives around all over the place. They work hand in hand, and that's because you get the location on on your phone and stuff. So, yeah, yeah I didn't realize exactly. that it was that intense. Yeah. So, like, you know, every time you jump into your car and you go to use your navigator for whether it's in your car or on your phone, um, you know, just think that there's an Air Force Airman right now sitting at a console who's you know keeping track of satellite data ensuring that that GPS is, you know, still up in space and doing what it's supposed to and sending the right kind of signal down. And, you know, and it's making sure that people are getting from point A to point B accurately, you know? Okay. So So it's not a, so the space force is not a lot of like, let's load a bunch of people into a ship and send them out into Mars. (laughs) That's more of a, like a, like a whole operation that just makes sure that everything's working the way it's supposed to. Absolutely. And, you know, the Space Force, the the way the design concept is, is to take all of the important logistics of space and providing a dedicated resource to ensuring, uh, you know, the lifespan, the safety, uh, the threats that, you know, may be threatening space assets, you know, looking at it from a defense perspective and, and then going and dedicating resources to that. Right. Um, so, you know, that's that's what kind of highlights the importance of how Space Force is to right. the rest of the world. Yeah, it, it, there's a joke about it, and it's right. ongoing. But uh, there, there's definitely some, uh, I guess you could say, uh, I guess, actual, you know, actual methods or actual right. purpose built behind you know, the reasons why. So. Right. What's going on, kiddo? <laughs> Okay, I'll help you in just one second. We're almost done. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, well, thanks for clarifying that. Like I said, I was one of those guys. I was just thinking that, like, you know, how are we going to train everybody? Because I'm thinking, like, if you're going out in space, you got to go through all this intense kind of training to become an astronaut. I'm like, how are you going to get? Oh, you know, we'll we'll say five hundred thousand guys to go through all this training and pass to be able to go back and forth out into Mars and and everything else. So I'm glad that you uh, clarified it for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no worries. Yeah, so yeah, it's, uh, it'll grow. It'll be it'll be growing. That's for sure. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for clarifying. Um, so the last part of uh, last part of the show is. As I just want to talk about, you know, like I do in every episode, is uh, Mission Twenty Two. Um, Absolutely. And I kind of feel out of place because I'm new into the Mission Twenty Two. I've been a long time, uh, you know, kind of supporter of Mission Twenty Two. But I just, like I said, it's probably been about two weeks that I've actually been a, one of the ambassadors um, for the great state of Massachusetts, and I did notice I was like, because I, I thought I was all alone. I was like, oh, I'm going to be the only the only guy in Massachusetts represent mission 22. And then, yeah. you know, I get my email and I'm like, holy crap, there's so many other guys out here. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that just, that's phenomenal. I love it. Yeah. Um, we got a couple events coming up in mission 22 and everything else, but um, just so the listeners, like I do every episode, I mean, unfortunately I checked again today 
you know, DOD hasn't still hasn't released any numbers besides uh, the first quarter of 2019. So the numbers right. haven't really changed. Uh, 2018, yeah. 676 total suicide. Uh, 2019, from January to March, 154. Um, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it's that's just way too much. It's way yeah. too much. And, uh, and I kind of feel weird because, like, I know that you – you know, you're like I said, you're state leader, so you're a lot yeah. higher on the on the mission <laughs> twenty two. Yeah, um, you're okay. more, yeah, yeah, you're more involved. But uh, listen, if you're, anybody's out there and you want to call to get your buddy some help or your family member or somebody some help, even if it's a even if it's a homeless veteran on the side of the street or whatnot, and uh, you know, you don't have to give out your name or anything like that. But the phone number there to get get somebody some help is one eight hundred. Two seven three eight two five five. Press one, and if you don't have the time to talk or whatever, you just want to send out a quick text. You can just text it to eight three eight two five five. Get that person some help. You know, it could be you know you could be the the biggest thing that helps that person. You know, don't and like I said before. You know, I don't think the cops are going to come raiding at this guy's house and kick his door down or anything like that. You know, it's not going to be that 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 intense. You know, even if. Even if you call and you don't want to give out that veteran's name or whatever that you think is going through some time, hard times, even their family members, if they're going through some hard times, you know, you yeah. can call call the 800 number, 1-800-273-8255, press 1, and just talk to whoever you're talking to on the other end. Just say, hey, listen, this is what's going on with one of my buddies. I don't feel comfortable giving my name out or their name out. Um, what can I do? What can I do? Get some advice from them. And they'll give you advice. That's what they're there for. And... uh just get some advice and maybe that can help you understand what that veteran or, or family member or buddy is going through, which will better help you help them in the long run. Like I like I said myself, you know, I get out in 2009, I go through some really, really bad times in my life. And uh, unfortunately, I'm one of the lucky ones that kind of just told myself and figured it out myself that I was going down some bad roads, got myself some help. But, you know. Yeah, that's, that's the important part is being able to self-identify and then yeah, you know, yeah. You self-identified. Yeah, you're struggling. You know, you're down in the depths. And, you know, things just aren't going right. Yeah, and it really sucks. You know, I've been there too. And yeah, it's uh, it's not easy to come from the bottom and work your way up. It never is. Right. But just realize that you know, the military is all built on a family. You know, and, mm -hmm. and you know, no matter where you look, left and right, your family member may not be the one person you want to talk to. Just like anybody else, like you, you can't just go to your family member and expect to unload on them and have them be like, you know, have an empathy or sympathy right away, right? You know, they're going to give you a little bit of gaff here and there. Right. That's what they're there for, you know. Right. And just, if you're serious about it, you know, be serious with yourself and come out and say, hey, like, you know, I'm really fucking serious. Like, I, I need some help, man. Like, I, I don't know where else to go. Like, I'm broke. Or right. my family's not doing well, or you know, I, I'm not going anywhere in life. Something, right? And they may I, not be able to do something right then and there for you, but give them some time. You know, think about your options and let's develop a plan together because that's that's really what it's going to take is, is developing a plan to move forward. Right. Um, Absolutely, and it's you know sometimes even if you're having a hard time finding a job or you're stressing about your bills and just getting it off your chest to somebody that, especially somebody you don't even know. Yeah. You know, getting that off your chest is just, it's a lot of weight off your shoulders and uh, it can help you push and help you find 
what you need to find to to get yourself out of the the so called funk. But listen, if I mean, if you want to get together and meet some of these great guys um, from Mission Twenty Two, they got some events coming up. Um, so they got an event coming up in April, April twenty fifth through the twenty sixth in twenty twenty. They got the Break the Silence in Kansas. All right, that's a day of live music, guest speakers, food, drinks, and much more. And all ages are welcome to come. You know, veterans, veterans, family, veterans, you know, their kids, everybody. I just recently talked to the state leader in Massachusetts, and he, as of today, locked us down. Um, If you're in Massachusetts and you're listening to this, you know who the Providence Bruins are. And if you want to go to the Providence Bruins game, um, there's going to be a link in the show notes here. All right. So for $22, it gives you tickets to the the Providence Bruins game against uh, Bridgeport on March 28th at 7.05 p.m. And not only do you get great lower deck seats, but you're also going to get a free soda or a free beer, a bag of popcorn, and $3 gift card to Dunkin' Donuts. And some of that some of that money out of that $22 that you pay for your ticket goes to Mission 22. All right, so you get to go have a good time with your friends and family, and some of that money goes back to Mission 22 so we can, you know, Mission 22, you know, there's a lot of uh, kind of outpatient care for, for a lot of veterans and stuff like that, and that's right. where that's where the money's going to go. You don't think, like, the top three guys are making a whole lot of money off of you. Um, it's definitely not like that. Yeah, they, they leverage a lot of the resources from other organizations to you know, help provide you know, a multitude of, of avenues for help. You know, it's not just a, a one-size-fits-all program. You know, everybody's yeah. got different things, so uh, you know they leverage a lot of different resources for for every kind of consideration. So, and then uh, he's also locked down in in, in September. September 11, 2020, and Gardner Municipal uh, Golf Course. He's got a little tourney going on there on that day. Um, once again, just, you know, you can email me too anytime you ever want to. It's American Vet Podcast at yahoo.com. Anytime. I'm always available. And I'll give you some more information on that, how to hook up with these guys. And like I said, I'll put Mission 22's uh, phone number and text number in the, uh, the show notes along with Chuck's information as well and his wife's you know go on there and support her too you know <laughs> my veteran spouse man she's trying to like live her dreams you know while while here i am you know doing all the things with my career and yeah. other outreach and stuff like that she's an ambassador as well um she decided oh, wow. to sign up to become an ambassador and so basically she just you know rides along with me when i go to events and, and participates she, you know yeah. is a really really great event you know for the holidays where we dropped off some coats to a to a local mission here uh, you know we've Perfect. got some stuff planned for the future here in california too and you know we're looking for a good 2020 ahead of us we we're pretty spread out between southern and northern california right uh, but we're growing every day slowly and, yeah and if anybody's in california by all means like you said the information will be out there reach out to me and I'll get you pointed in the right direction. You can help me out at, in an event uh, out here. Yeah, even if you want to, even if you know, you know how to play the acoustic guitar, and you say, "Hey, hey, Chuck, I can help yeah. you out with those issues." There, <laughs> that'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, Chuck. Once again, uh, 
you know, thanks for thanks for coming on to the show. Sure. Um, if you have any type of uh, handles or anything that you'd like to plug in, you can go ahead and, and do it now for your the what's up, Chuck. Yeah, for sure. So um, every Wednesday, usually around four thirty um, or five o'clock Pacific time, I do a live broadcast called What's Up, Chuck. My live broadcast usually touches on you know veteran-owned businesses or veteran-based. Uh, things. So we've, I'd like to highlight all the different ones, and I usually pick one or two for the week. Um, next week, I'll probably be highlighting one called Patch Ops. They just helped me design and develop new patches for uh, morale for my unit, so those guys are going on my cast next week. Um, I also highlight Mission 22 as much as possible. Yep. Uh, definitely you know, focus on one of their programs and kind of talk to it more educatedly so that way people understand you know, what types of methods and means that Mission 22 provides. And and then also kind of reach into, like, what we're doing here to integrate into the local community. Um, you know, it's just my way of putting out good information. And then, you know, in the off time between my shows, I share good news articles. So the What's Up Chuck page doesn't go stagnant, you know, week to week. I put out good news articles or veteran-based articles or, you know, I, I share other live streams that, you know, I'm affiliated with other veteran-owned businesses or, you know, organizations that are out there helping, you know, vet homelessness or, you know, veteran needs, uh, you know, definitely suicide awareness uh, or just, you know, organizations and events, you know, holding charities for, for different people. So, you know, that's just kind of my, my avenue, my vehicle for what's up chucking. Like I was mentioning earlier, it's streamed on Facebook, um, but I have it restreamed to Twitch and to YouTube as well, and to Discord. Those are just a couple other vehicles to help get the same information out there on multiple platforms. So, yeah, I appreciate you having me on the show. Uh, I look forward to future shows, and you know, maybe I can jump on one in a few months, just kind of give give you an update on how things are going. Again, you know, absolutely. Uh, get my wife on here even so <laughs> yeah like i said uh listeners i'm gonna put uh what's up chuck's information down in the show notes uh chuck if you could just send me over your wife stuff i'll put her her a link for her shows as well um and for the listeners if you want to support the show go to patreon dot com forward slash american vet podcast um and that right there will unlock a bunch of things uh, from voters' rights for the content, what's coming up next, um, exclusive kind of one-on-one with myself um, about the show, stuff like that. And for the VIP members, once I hit reach a goal there, um, I'm going to start doing some merchandise, give out the merchandise, one free merchandise to all VIP members. Every time I come up out with new merchandise, uh, they'll get one free. So, yeah, go on there, support go on check out what's up chuck i've watched a couple of videos of it it's very entertaining very um a lot of knowledge is getting passed through them Thanks. as well yeah um, thank you you're welcome thank you again chuck and listeners stay tuned for the outro those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes they just don't know where to look the sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, 
They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom.